Welcome to a very special England Athletics podcast. After a great year, we're now into awards season, so the theme is celebration. On the show, you'll have the company of some brilliant athletes, including two-time Olympian Tom Bosworth on his recent retirement. Everything else I achieved in my career, I'm so proud of. Hence why I can walk away happy, and I'm so excited about what comes next. Commonwealth champion Emmanuel Ayimbo Koka on becoming a role model as a para sprinter. A lot of Olympic athletes people look up to, but there's not as many big figures in Paralympics. I want to be amongst one of those names. What about the storming onto the scene of world junior champion Yemi Mary John? Once I had my eyes set on it, I wasn't coming away with anything left. We'll start with another 400 meter star, Alex Haydock Wilson, who took gold in the relay and an individual bronze at the European Championships in Munich. He joined me at the England Athletics Hall of Fame evening, alongside host for the night, Olympic medalist and broadcaster Catherine Merry. I asked her to pick a highlight from the event. Oh gosh, that's like choosing between my children. Tell you what's great every year with these awards, it covers so many things because we pack a lot in. We pack a lot in to celebrate the volunteers who we couldn't run the sport without. And we also then celebrate and induct worthy individuals into our Hall of Fame. It's a variety of people and personalities. It's a variety of events as well. So you're giving the nod to hammer throwers. We're talking about sprint hurdlers and we're doing it collectively all in one place. And we don't do that enough in our sport, in my opinion. We don't celebrate the diversity of the events between the track and the field enough. And we don't celebrate them in the way that England athletics celebrate them including the volunteers in the same place as obviously the national award winners and, and famous athletes present and past. So, you know, it's, it's a wonderful evening. Variety is the spice of life and someone who's come up with some rather spicy performances this year has been Alex Haydock-Wilson. How important is it just to gather people from the sport? You know, athletes, it's a social thing, isn't it? You forget, like, because you're, you're constantly focused on the present and the future as an athlete. You're constantly thinking, all right, this is where I'm at now. This is where I need to be. To, to be worth anything and then you forget that legacy is a thing the things the transient moments that you can enjoy within this sport that we have the privilege to have now can actually last for years and years and years to come so just hearing something like that like hearing about athletes who have done things that are now being commemorated these people have done things before i was born and we're here celebrating them now and i'm like yo this is real this is this is serious like this is Things that I can do now are actually can have an impact later on and that's so fulfilling. Yeah, the secret is you don't tell people that you weren't born, you know, at what point. You just don't tell them that, yeah. You never, you never say that, yeah, so we'll, we'll keep that. Um, but, 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 <laughs> it's, it's, sometimes I think it takes one person's viewpoint to bring out of an athlete who might be so humble, so confident, mm-hmm at time to see. So what have you made of Alex's season? Just talking before we all were standing here chatting here this evening and I congratulated Alex on what was quite simply a phenomenal season. It was for me a real step up. First question I asked Alex is what have you learned from it? You know were you happy with the season and it was great to hear Alex say yes I was. I asked many athletes especially the younger athletes, you know, how would you rate your season? I had a 9.2 out of 10, an 8 out of 10, and a 9 out of 10. And first thing Alex said to me was, oh my God, I wish I was up there, because I'd have said 12 out of 10, because my season was amazing. And that, for me as a former athlete, and obviously I commentate on, on Alex now and, and all the other team, and to hear that from an athlete that they're so pleased with what they've done, 
is really, really nice to hear. Always striving for improvements, of course, Alex and everybody is, but, but you can just tell he's that kind of athlete that takes it seriously, he's dedicating himself, but actually believes in what he's doing and believes in the talent he has, and that's, that's wonderful to see. Yeah, and you were actually quite honest, I think, after the World Championships, you said, you know, I needed a bit more time, I needed just to get myself prepared, and it's a challenge, isn't it? And then I think everything came right at the Europeans, both as part of a team and then individually to pick up a medal. So what do you make of that kind of trajectory, you know, through the season? One of the reflections that I was having was like, oh, I'm so glad with the season I've had, but why was that kind of humiliation? Why, why was that part that most people do in training where they fail and then they come back and succeed on the public stage? Why was that so public for me? And I was thinking, man, if only that wasn't so public. And then um, speaking to some of the younger athletes that train in the group that I, I grew up in, seeing their trajectory, like one, one of the athletes, I won't name names, but had a race that didn't quite go according to plan. And then I realized, yo, I can type in YouTube my failure and then I can type in YouTube my success and be able to tell him the story of how I was able to turn that around with evidence and to have that legacy out there as much as it's exposing and, and it makes me vulnerable is actually so much more powerful to someone else other than myself that, that that's worth it like I'd take that humiliation a million times over if it could help someone actually realize that this is not like we like to hide the things that we're not proud of but this is, this is a sport of ups and downs and it's a sport of putting yourself out there and being vulnerable to all of it. But personal growth and character development is always gonna go forward as long as you channel it positively, whether it's a win or a loss. I remember you posted on Twitter and that's the only reason why I bring it up. You posted a video of you running a relay, I think it may be one of your first relays, where you didn't realize, and again, I'm, I'm saying this because you posted it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you didn't, no, you posted it, it's out there. Alex, you, you didn't, it's the public domain. Yeah. You didn't realize that, that you can hug the inside on the relay, I think. You stayed in your lane, didn't you? No, that's like, that still gets referenced to this day. Like, that happened in 2016. That was my first junior GB event. And I did decent in the individual, but no one remembered that. They just remembered, <laughs> oh, he was the guy who ran in lane seven. And then the next time I did well was two years later. And then I was on the team and someone was like, yo, he's the guy who ran in lane seven. So that haunted me for a while. But then it just became hilarious. And it became one of those stories that I can look back on and be like, look how far I've come. And that constantly gives me belief more than being like, oh, look what I've achieved. It's like, look what I've achieved in contrast to where I was before. And then I can never doubt my ability to go further. Selects is always gonna go by stats and stuff like that. And feeling like you don't have the stats to back things up. I I had to appeal to be on the world's team and just believing in myself because this is where I came from. This is where I'm at now. I believe I have limitless potential going forward, so. No, I, I appreciate all of it. <laughs> well, Catherine, you are someone who, who everyone always believed in your potential. What's your best advice as so far as overcoming difficulties in, in one's career to try and you know get to the successful point, which of course you know you achieved as well. Everything you do has a lesson to be learnt from, um, and it's all too easy to to concentrate and focus on how things have been great and when things are going well and the lessons that you've learnt and how to improve. But it's taking the lessons out of the negative situations and the bad times that you have because there is always something to learn that you can then use to either fuel you in terms of going forward 
We know athletics is tough, we know sport is tough, and it is full of ups and downs, and everyone would love as many ups as possible, but taking and listening to when Alex speaks about the times when it didn't go how he wanted it to go is the most important thing, and the most impressive thing to me about Alex is learning from that and then channeling that. So one, it doesn't happen again, but what did I learn from it? Back to Alex Haydock-Wilson and Catherine Merry in a moment. Now on to Tom Bosworth, the 2018 Commonwealth medalist who announced his retirement in August. It followed a tremendous last lap standing ovation at Birmingham 2022. I would have loved to have been on the podium. All the preparation for that was to try and get me back to my best. If I was at my best, I think I probably could have well got on the podium. But being able to have a final home championships on my terms, not many athletes get that. Yeah, and I imagine there's lots of things that you want to achieve right with your career. It's interesting, I just heard Steve Smith say he retired age 26, you know? What kind of motivation do you have now? That was a key indicator for me was uh, retiring now was the right thing because anything I thought about doing next probably excited me more than going out training and that was the first time I'd felt like that. I listened to the people speaking this evening at the England Athletics Awards and there's a few mentions of Olympic medals and, and getting those final medals and that is something that, you know, I, I look down at the floor and go, I think I probably would have had that in a real 2020 season, back-to-back British records in the February, March, everything was coming together and so I have a regret of not being able to go back and stopping a pandemic, that's probably about my only regret. I can't do anything about that and I'm not going to lose sleep over it. But everything else I achieved in my career, I'm so proud of. Hence why I can walk away happy. And I'm still going to be involved in the sport, but I'm so excited about what comes next. But you're also very keen to inspire other people. I think you said something as humble as, you know, before the Olympics when I spoke to you, like, I'm so lucky that I'm even part of elite sport, you know. It's amazing this was meant for me, that this happened to me. Yeah, exactly. I got into the sport through my sister's friend. A bit of luck that way. As I said this evening, I was rubbish at everything I did. But what a fantastic sport this is. It's not like many others. It's a, it's a family event. Yeah, still right now, I can't believe the things I've achieved. And it, it's been phenomenal. It's a sport with so many facets and so many different events. But it's one that has accepting of people from all backgrounds and all walks of life. From that point of view, other sports I always feel could learn from athletics in the way that they, you know, they accept LGBT in a much better way. Really starting to break conversations like that in football, but what do you think that other sports can learn from athletics and how, how good is it that it is an accepting sport? There's two, two points to that. Athletics is, you know, it's multiple sports in one sport and so that's why it's naturally very diverse. But at the same time, we accept that. You know, there's me, a slim race walker, endurance athlete, who will happily sit down and have dinner with a shot putter who is six foot whatever and double my size. Whether it's religion, skin color, sexual orientation, it doesn't really matter because we all have our fit in athletics. We all have our space and we all can become world-class by working really, really hard. You know what, other sports don't have that diversity of, of events, but they can celebrate the diversity of athletes taking part in their one sport. Because if they do that, they probably have a hell of a lot more talent in it and see people reach their peak a lot quicker and a lot more naturally 
if they're able just to be themselves and be accepted as that um, without any sort of judgment or prejudice. And, uh, sport doesn't judge in any other way except your ability. So why should we? It's a really good point. I suppose you're someone who's often been quite outspoken about how you think the sport can change as well. When you cast your mind, let's say it's been a great season, but has there been any frustration that leads you to want to have a conversation about how the sport could change in any way? It could be marketing itself better to try and get more attention, you know, to uh, to race walk in particular or, or anything else. I think I've learned that over over the time that. You know, uh, the more I spent in the sport, it isn't just as easy as what one tweet on uh, on Twitter or one idea. You know, as as much as we all like to think it would be, but there does need to be more creativity and acceptance to that, which I think there is now. It's not going to happen overnight, but I certainly think there's a there's a realism. You know, you take uh, certain sports accepting that sort of behind the scenes sort of action and. Uh, series on Netflix that transforms sports or you know like we've seen in the Formula One or encouraging athletes to be themselves in social media that builds such a big following. What would a, a, an athletic series encompass? You would have to get athletes on board I, you know my idea would possibly be to follow an event group mm. say the top five or six in Britain or if you want to do it British or say the world the top eight or so in the world put them onto a contract you say it's no holds barred it's all you you share everything that goes on and you get your coach on board and you you say you know that's probably going to cost some money whoever's wants to put this on is going to have to say yeah we're going to pay these athletes let's be part of it but then you get the inside line that you just don't get in athletics because there's so many athletes so many coaches so much secrecy and not necessarily a bad way but people like to keep their business secret Let's expose some of that and see what goes on and, and you know, uh, educate people, but also give people a little bit more insight as they step on that track. Get people racing against each other a little bit more regularly. Drama will unfold. Okay, and finally, so what are you going to spend a bit more time doing? What have you had more time to do? Is it sitting watching Netflix? You don't strike me as someone who spends that much time just in front of the TV. You know, you're someone who gets up and out the door. No, absolutely not. I miss going training in the morning, sleeping in the afternoon, going training again in the afternoon. I don't at all miss the training. But I miss that simplicity, doing some of my own commercial work outside of uh, athletics, building my own media career, and hopefully I'll be doing a bit of punditry and commentary. And let's see where that goes. And also, um, you know, I'm, I'm working with a sports management company now, leading their track and field team, uh, representing y- young athletes and, and uh, some current athletes uh, within the sport because I've learned so much about marketing myself from my bonkers event. I had to think outside the box and hopefully I can bring that to other people and help them build some awesome careers. Brilliant stuff. Will you look back as your, your Commonwealth medal as your proudest moment? Uh, it's up there because it's also my 20k PB, but I think with the Rio Olympics were as well, it was a real breakthrough, you know, sixth place there, but 2018, 2016, and the rest of it was just a dream come true. Yeah, I can see your, your Olympic rings tattoo. Oh, I, <laughs> I, w- I will oh, yeah. but I can see your Olympic ring tattoo. It reminds me that these memories are, are just etched, and it's something yeah. that you earn, and so you should be very proud of that. Absolutely, am, um, and so is my family, friends, and that's what it's about. Brilliant. I'll show you. No, you Brilliant. Well, not the most effective for podcasts, but uh, the end of that exchange was indeed me shaking the hand of Tom Bosworth and congratulating him on a great career, breaking record after record. 
The race walker talking there about the time being right to retire. Now an opportunity to explore other passions. And it's so often those other talents athletes have that make great stories. So let's head back into our chat with Alex Haydock-Wilson and Catherine Merry on this very subject. Not only am I standing in front of two great 400 meter runners, but also two people who are brilliant talkers, as you can tell, and, and people who are multi-talented, right? And we're just saying, how do we try and appreciate the talent, the other talents that people have? You know, you've become a very successful broadcaster, and you played netball on TV, and you, you talk about your, your music experience, and Rio Mitchum, one of the other parts of the, the quartet, the Europeans, um, he's literally on The Voice TV show, and uh, how do we shout about these things more? Or is it sometimes yeah. that athletes maybe need something just to, to keep a little bit quieter, something else to, to chill out with? Yeah, listen, it's personality driven, isn't it, for anybody. Um, and to be an athlete, whether you, if you choose to be full time because you can, that has to suit you. You know, I went through my career with people that would have gone up the wall if they'd have been a full-time athlete. They had to have things outside of the sport yeah. to keep them sane and to not put the pressure and expectation on themselves. But yeah, these are these are great things. And this is what, in terms of going forward with the sport, that the athletes now are doing a lot better because of social media. You have to expose yourself to these things and you have to shout about what you're good at and then increase your own in terms of exposure so people know about you so they can invest in you and think, oh, what's Alex doing now? Or, what's so-and-so doing now but understand that some people don't want to do that because that's their getaway some people will just get on and do jazz did it jazz jazz Sawyers was on the voice jazz Sawyers is a great singer and now she shouts about it a lot more but she didn't to start with because maybe i'm not saying it is jazz will tell you but sometimes that's the person's getaway from the sport and getaway from track and field and it's finding out what works for you isn't it i didn't do anything else apart from run because that was me I've got training partners that, like I say, would have absolutely gone round the bend if they didn't have something else to do. So, yeah, everyone's, everyone's different, right? Yeah, making music is an informal passion for you, but you know about his PhD, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Solar yeah, yeah. panels. Smart guy. Yeah, man. Yeah. We're trying, we're trying. Hey, but, but, <laughs> no, like, like, while I'm hearing Catherine talk about, like, oh, yeah, I just ran, but then being as amazing as you are like as a presence to be able to bring up the vibe of a whole evening to be able to socialize with as many people as you do that must have (laughs) developed through maybe you didn't even realize it but you were developing the social skills to be able to do said thing and i think it's so important to recognize that um our our overall purpose is to to kind of develop us as humans through the sport and that, that, that this is the perfect vessel because it takes you into a place where you actually have to confront who you are Every, like every day like especially when you're on race day like your brain's going like everything gets amplified to the point where you have to be like am I secure in who I am do I believe in my ability not just my ability in this regard but my ability as, as a human to be able to rise up to this challenge and I think that's so transferable to other skills and I think people don't recognize that and that's why it could be such a good vessel for other people especially when we're talking about young people getting engaged in sport now like they if you constantly sell it as like you're either going to make it to the top or it's worthless then that's become going to become much less appealing to people but if you can be like this is going to develop you in in terms of your ability to do anything then yes <laughs> so you're not thinking about solar panels on race day uh, tell me a little sometimes. bit more about your your <laughs> about your phd though um yeah no it's exciting um i'm working with a company called crest 
we're at the forefront. Like I, I came in at the right time. I'm riding on the shoulders shoulders of giants right now because I think they're they're on the verge of a breakthrough. <laughs> like my anchor leg, just like yeah, cheers, Matt. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's um, I love having that thing that is completely separate to athletics, but at the same time, I take the same mindset into it. It's a challenge. It's something that is brand new, and I'm exploring. And I admit that I'm not at the level of the people that I'm surrounded by, but if I was the smartest in the room, that I'd be in the wrong room. I, I want to be surrounded by people who challenge me. That's the best part of it. Brilliant stuff. It's been a great evening, and uh, tomorrow Aston Villa play. Yes, I do. Right? We'll just leave that one there. Who yeah. do you support? <laughs> oh, no, we're finally having a good oh, season. Jesus. This yeah, is why I've got to skip my step. Right, so I'll finish on my final question. You've got a five-a-side team yeah. full of past or present athletes who's in it. Oh, a five-a-side team? Oh, gee whiz. Well, mine would just be Aston. I'd put Gary Shaw back into the 80s now, folks. I'd put Gary Shaw in there, Peter Withered after being there. And obviously my future husband, Tyrone Mings, would definitely be in but let's there. But let's have some track and field people. Oh, you want track and field? Yes, I was, I was I want you. Oh, you want track and field? Oh, you yes. want a five-a-side football team? With track, track and field. field Jeremiah Azu oh, played football. you want track and field? Adam Jamili played Adam football. Adam Jamili, Darren Campbell. Okay. Darren right, Campbell so played Jeremiah Azu is a striker or was it? He wouldn't put me in goal, would you? I don't want to misquote that, but yeah, I think he was a striker. Dean Macy in goal. Okay, Dean Macy Nothing, in nothing's goal. Nothing's getting past Dean yeah. Macy, mate, I'm telling <laughs> okay. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. D I'll put Dean Macy in goal. Yeah. I'll put Darren on the wing because he's my boy. Jamili on the wing? <laughs> yeah, Drew, oh my front. lord, what a team, yeah. Alright, then we need, we need, we need a bit of defence. Oh, put Scott, put Scotty Lincoln in defence. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over 30, yeah. Oh, yeah, over 30 <laughs> metres would be great. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> You could block them out, yeah. That'd be brilliant. quite a good team, actually. Yeah, and a manager? Let's have a coach as a manager. Me. Okay, brilliant. <laughs> Not a bad team. All the sprinters wanting to play up front, as you'd expect. Talking of which, let's bring in Emmanuel Ayimbo Coca. He's a T47 100 metre runner and amputee who recently turned 21. No doubt that the high point of his track career to date was his stunning victory in Birmingham in the summer. Commonwealth Games for me was sort of a stepping stone in terms of my development and, and my growth as an athlete because when I sort of look a year back, you know, I was you know struggling to qualify for the Paralympics in Tokyo uh, in 2021. I opened up uh, my season with probably the worst time I'd ever had, you know, competing even from four years ago. That was sort of the turning point for me and it really gave me that focus and that drive and determination to, to make sure that I don't actually fail to qualify for a team. Once you qualified for the team and, and you get to that sort of, that starting block, you know, it's anyone's game to win no matter, you know, where you are on the rankings. When, when I went into the games, I was probably ranked, you know, third or fourth best, um, but you know, because I was determined and, and, and really hungry to claim that title, you know, I, I ended up collecting the gold medal. A huge opportunity, I guess, that you would have looked at to do something like that on home soil. What was the atmosphere like, and or did you kind of just zone in? You know what, funny enough you say that because I thought the atmosphere was just incredible, you know, it's, I would say electric. The support that I was receiving, you know, even when I heard my name um, sort of in the heats, that's probably one of the largest fan base that I've sort of 
competed in front of. Just hearing them just sort of gave me that that extra boost. And and I said to my coach after he, funny enough, he actually done like a little video when we're warming up for the final. And I said to my coach, yeah, I'm ready to win the gold. And I done that afterwards. And sort of just having my family also there to support me. You know, I didn't actually expect them, you know, all to come. And I probably ex expected only my, my mother and my younger brother to come. And I, I kid you not, I had about 20 family members. So that really gave me sort of an extra boost and just made me a little bit more hungry just to, you know I mean, just put on a show for them and make them proud. Amazing. What was their reaction? What was it like the first time you saw them after you won that gold? Yeah, so, I, you know, as you can imagine, you know, after I won the goal, you know, I had to, you know, do all this um, media stuff. So, um, yeah, then I ended up... Oh, actually, not like, the media. Yeah, oh, no. my God. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah so then I, uh, finally, after, like, God knows how long, then I actually got to see them and literally all of them just came to hug me and it's like, I couldn't even remember, like, who was saying what. The moment was just filled with lots of um, emotion, lots of joy, and just to have everyone just sort of see me do well in, in what I do, because obviously not everyone sees the hard work that you put in day to day on a day to day basis. But obviously they understand that, you know, winning that gold is, is not an easy job at all. So um, yeah, having them there was just an amazing feeling and just the support I had from them was unbelievable. And let's talk about your background to getting to that point. Familiar seeing you in the black and yellow Newman Essex Beagles. Tell me about your introduction into athletics and yeah. growing up. I've never actually, you know, I haven't actually been doing sprinting for a long time. I've probably been doing it for about maybe four or five years now. Formerly used to be a swimmer in primary school and in secondary school I used to play quite a lot of football. Um, and it wasn't until I started um, competing for my school, but I, I only used to do it for fun, you know, in, in district competitions. And then uh, one of my teachers in school actually sort of gave me that helping hand and put the arm around my shoulder and just sort of started to guide me and, you know, encourage me to actually start doing athletics. And she was the one that sort of found me, Neuromanetsi Spiegel's club. And it's literally, it's been an amazing club, you know. I can't actually imagine the, the support that they've, they've provided me. Even the, my coach herself, Coral Norris, I would want to give a big shout out to her because she was um, sort of specialising in, in para, um, para sports. And, you know, I happened to come at the right time and meet her at the right time. Even till now, she's not she's no longer my coach, but, you know, we still keep in contact. And, you know, we speak about things, you know, if I have any problems or anything, I go and look up to her. So, yeah, it's, it's been a really good journey. It's amazing how often athletes say, you know, my teacher suggested I join a club. So important, that, those kind of moments, those kind of meetings of, of people. It's inspiring, isn't it? Of course, it's inspiring because, you know, when someone at that level of expertise and, you know, they've been through a lot, they've experienced, you know, lots of things. When someone sort of gives you the advice that, oh, you should start doing this, it sort of makes you think that, oh, what, if this person really believes in me, maybe I can achieve something big. And, and that was the thought that I had in my head. And it sort of gave me sort of flashbacks to when I watched my first Paralympic Games. You know, I saw um, Johnny Peacock running in the T64 category. Um, and obviously I just... Which was, year? Uh, 2012, London yeah, 2012. Yeah, so. You're that watching, generation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm that generation. So, you know, I remember I was with my mum at home, uh, my soon-to-be-born brother at the time he was in the womb. Yeah, so just remember watching that and just thinking, wow, like this guy, he's an amputee, similar to me, obviously, mm -hmm. in different sort of um, amputee class. But And I just thought, wow, he's he's achieving great success. I saw that and, and looked up to him and thinking, you know, I can achieve similar type of success. So had you thought of continued with, with swimming? Swimming does require waking up earlier, I think. I know from Adam Peaty's training, but uh, I don't know whether that was what influenced you to, towards athletics rather than football. There's a lot of people trying to make it in football, of course. 
But then, you know, you've got that team sport when you achieve together as a yeah. team. And athletics, only a certain amount of people can be on the podium. But why athletics? Being successful in both is extremely difficult. You know, high, yeah. it requires, a, you know, large amounts of determination and, you know, hard work. I've always sort of liked the sport in general. I've always been like a big fan of just participating in anything that I can, you know, that's, that's active. It sort of helps boost my confidence, you know, knowing that I'm good at sport and just participating in sport and, you know, having other people look at me almost like a role model kind of thing. You know, they see a lower arm amputee doing well in the sport and overcoming loads of challenges in their life. So always sort of find a way to have a solution. Even something as little as I remember before, I never actually used to know how to tie my shoelaces, which is quite a big thing uh -huh. for me. I don't know why, but for some reason, when I was in primary school, trainers with shoelaces was quite popular. My mum used to buy me Velcros, but I hated it. So I actually forced myself to actually learn how to tie my own shoelace. Nowadays, when I actually look back at it, I think, oh, wow, I, I can't believe that I didn't know how to tie a shoelace back then. But now I almost do it. I do it with my eyes closed. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just, just having that sort of, that hunger to, to not let anything pin you down and just, you know, keep trying, even though you fail multiple times or anything like that. Like I even remember, so I recently obviously started my winter training. And um, so part of my winter training is I'm required to do pull-ups. And I've never actually done pull-ups in my life before. Mm. First ever time that I tried it, I really, really struggled. I probably got half a pull-up done at best. Um, you know, I had to attach a rock to my hand, but then I've been doing it for now for about three or four weeks. And the first week I couldn't even do one. The second week I was doing about two or three. And then the third week I was doing five. So it's just about sort of getting that slow progression. It's about understanding that and having that patience to understand that your body needs time to develop and to grow. Fascinating really, because when you're talking about pull-ups, I mean, anyone can progress in that, trying to go against yourself, whatever level you're at. And then when you, when you pick out something so simple, it made me look down at your shoes, they are brilliantly you know, done up. But it's interesting that, that you, you cast your mind to something that many of us you know, wouldn't think twice about, but it's a key example of, of just overcoming something and being independent. I guess for you though, achieving what you've done in athletics, you know, how hungry does that make you to, to want more of that kind of feeling, being on the top oh, step? Definitely, I mean, it makes me like, you know, I'm almost starving right now, you know what I mean? I, like just thinking That's about- It's not just because we haven't had a meal yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 just thinking about sort of like the reception that I've got from mm. what I've achieved so far and I'm still sort of quite early in my career. I've only been doing athletics for a little bit of time, you know, maybe three, four years. And, you know, I, and I've spoken to a lot of people and I've actually realised that I've had an effect on people. And when people see me succeeding in athletics and doing well in athletics, it almost motivates themselves mm. to actually do better for themselves. So it's been an amazing journey and I hope to be able to influence more in the years to come. What about from a, from a Paralympic point of view, you know, trying to get kind of equal billing? with the Olympics and the World Championships. Yeah. Important from that point of view that you, you've been visible, you know, whether it's among your club, among your local area, among your friends. I think the main thing about it is just having sort of like a public figure for people to look up to. Mm. There's a, a lot of Olympic athletes that people look up to, but there's not as many big figures in Paralympics. I want to be amongst one of those names just so I can have the um, ability just to influence others and just, you know, get it more recognisable. Mm, so I guess part of that is athletic success. Another is what getting opportunities to be part of campaigns, you know, get deals to be on television, stuff like that. Is, yeah, I think, I, I think sort of the marketing aspect also needs to come into play. You know, one thing that British athletics have done quite well is sort of 
uh, and sort of a, a few of the Diamond League is introduce uh, a para race in the event. And, and, and I feel like having that sort of that integration um, in the competition just makes it sort of get that extra recognition that it, it doesn't um, normally get makes people actually realize oh wow this person is you know he's succeeding quite well you know i want to i want to follow his story i want to know about you know like what he's been through and that kind of stuff and a final question about you outside of athletics you know as a person and well could be you all the athletes that you compete with because i imagine some of them have, have overcome um quite a lot to actually do well in their sport what would you you tell me about yourself you know just outside of your athletics what you like to do and and stuff like that I'm actually a student as well, so I, I study at Loughborough, I study sports science and management there, um, and I quite enjoy it as well. Basically helping Loughborough to win even more medals <laughs> at the British universities. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah without a doubt. Um, I think uh, at the Bucks University Championships I got about maybe four medals on the outdoors uh, section. So, um, which yeah. has also helped from them introducing more para events. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I, is... I feel like their, their para-athletics programme is really good and I feel like every other university used to needs to use that as sort of a template to attract more para-athletes because if you don't provide the opportunity for people to grasp, no one's going to grasp the opportunity because there's going to be nothing there to grasp. Even if it's just to try out, you know what I mean? Because even when I first started athletics, I only done it just for fun, you know, just by being there and having people around them that are doing the same thing as them and, and, and wanting to strive for the same goals is very beneficial for, you know, like everyone's development. And making it enjoyable is, is good as well. Because, I mean, in the last episode, John F. Loco was telling me about the, uh, the GB Sprint Relay Quartet or England Quartet. They have music on and they dance. Fun about athletics for me is just, you know, being able to relate to different people that you know you don't normally relate to on a on a day-to-day basis you know the athletic community almost feels like a family everyone wants each other to succeed um everyone wants each other to do well and i think sort of your training with people you know everyone's going through the same stuff not necessarily the same stuff but at the end of the day we all want to achieve the same thing and that's sort of success in the sport industry wise words from emmanuel ayimbo coca a real joy to chat and hear how his family were able to celebrate together More travelling to do if he defends his title in Victoria in 2026, of course. But someone else who dreams of more sporting success is Yemi Mary John. A phenomenal 400m gold medal for her at the World Juniors in Colombia. Lowering her PB to a British under-20 record of 51.5 seconds. She was named under-20 athlete of the year. Let's find out about how she started in the sport. Yeah, I think I've always been like very into sports, but athletics is definitely something more recent. I'd say when I was more 15, 16, that's when I started taking it more seriously, even though I'd done it in school, like district athletics. And I started training properly was only about like three, maybe four years ago. So yeah, definitely been an interesting journey since then. So. It's interesting, before you're training properly, are you kind of like going along and people are trying to convince you to say, yeah, come on, keep coming back, you know, is that it? <laughs> Uh, I mean, a little bit more before that, I just really done it in school sort of thing, like PE, um, maybe like some competitions, but I wasn't really training with a club or anything like that. I was doing gymnastics, actually, so yeah. Did you have any role models at this point? I don't necessarily mean like posters on your walls. I mean, you're actually standing in front of a wall of athletes like Steve Cram, but some people say that they have a role model in their family or other people, it's, it's someone at school, like a teacher or coach. In athletics specifically, I'd say I'd say Sydney McLaughlin is definitely like one of my 
role models. Just seeing her do so much so young was definitely inspiring for me. So yeah. Yeah, she's kind of untouchable in a way. Someone who does win by big distances and makes yeah. people take notice. Yeah, that's definitely something that inspired me. But um, yeah, I think I just put my arms into it and really just aim to be myself but get inspired by others. Particularly British 400 meter running. I don't know if you saw Christina Hurugu when she was winning. Catherine Mary actually, who spoke to you on stage today. Um, you know, what you kind of think of their legacy, whether you've watched any of their runs. To be completely honest, I was more a one and two girl. So four is quite recent, as in literally my first 400 was May 2021. So yeah, 400 wasn't really what I was focused on, but yeah, definitely recently. It's just so them. far, isn't it? So far when <laughs> yeah. you're a one and two sprinter. Yeah, definitely. I've even heard a couple of people mention trying an eight, but I think I'm happy with the sprints. Okay, so Colombia Worlds Under 20 Championships. I've never been to Colombia, but I imagine it's one of those places where it's actually quite hot. A bit difficult to get used to in terms of the time difference as well. How do you adjust to that? Because I imagine you won't have had that much experience actually going, you know, halfway across the world to compete. Yeah, it was definitely an adjustment, especially with the time difference that you mentioned, humidity as well. But yeah, once I got used to it, yeah, I'm just all focused on racing. Yeah, it's a hot air that really hits you. What did you set out to achieve and, and how did you manage to get through it and, and do it? Yeah, absolutely. I think going in, uh, winning was always my aim and I think from an outside perspective, I think that was hard for people to comprehend, seeing me come in maybe 11th with a 53. But to me, I knew it was definitely something achievable. It was the goal I had on mind. And yeah, once I had my eyes set on it, I wasn't coming away with anything left. Were you surprised then with, with the PB that you came out with or, or not? Um, I don't think surprise is the word. Mm. Surprise, maybe not necessarily. Happy about it, yes. Um, Definitely appreciative. Um, yeah, we don't often use surprise in athletics. Whenever I say surprise, people are like, it's not a surprise for me. <laughs> Tell me about yourself then, like as a person outside of athletics. Do you have hobbies like you know music or stuff that you like to do just to, to take your mind off training and stuff like that? Yeah, definitely. I'm quite studious. I like to read, so I'm in school as well. I'm in university. People, so. oh, read books. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Fair play. Fair play. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was into music more growing up, but I think sports kind of took over that. But yeah, between school and athletics, I'm quite, yeah, quite busy between the two of those. What would you like to achieve in the future? I don't like to put a specific time. Mm, that's very sensible. <laughs> yeah, put out my goals until I've actually accomplished them, but the sky's the limit, so yeah. Brilliant stuff. Are your sisters here as well? Hello, what's your name? Angie. What did you make of, of seeing Yemi Mary at the World Junior Championships? Oh, I'm so, so proud of her. She didn't really go too much into detail about her journey, about her gymnastics, but ever since she was a really young girl, she's always been so, so determined in anything she did. Um, when she was pursuing gymnastics, before she did athletics, she actually broke her arm and she was injured. But I remember back then, she wanted to be a gymnast. She wanted to really go into that. But I remember herself picking herself back up and wanted to be into that world of sports. And that's when she found her passion of athletics. And she wasn't too sure about it, like, what am I doing here? But she built herself up. She had that determination that, yes, this is where I want to go. This is what I want to pursue now. And she built herself. She kept going training. Obviously, she met Alan. He's been such a big, big Alan. help. Yeah, her coach. Just being there for her, coaching her, 
but here she is now because you know she kept going she kept going now here she is and i'm just so proud of her really oh, <laughs> oh that's a really nice moment because two sisters are having a hug and sometimes it takes someone else's perspective doesn't it to see yeah definitely and yeah just like my sister mentioned as well just having Woodford Green and Essex Ladies Athletics Club uh, support me and Alan James in particular my coach even family abroad um, so I'm half Italian half Nigerian so yeah it was definitely so nice to see all of my family just message me come together and be there from all different places across the world so yeah you're also part of the the senior squad for I'm going to say the indoors, is that right, yeah. in the relay? Yeah, so this was the World Indoors yeah. earlier this year. So what did you learn from that experience, just being part of a, of a team in what is so often an individual sport? Very special moment for me, my first senior team. So it was definitely important for me to see just how the senior environment operates. And yeah, just lovely staff, lovely team members again. How does the senior team environment operate? Is it different? Yeah, it was definitely <laughs> very different dynamic. I heard someone say that actually being a senior serious athlete means you, you rest more, you get time <laughs> to sleep, you get time off. And it's about how you can be successful by doing as little as possible. Have you ever heard that expression? I think I felt that, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like in juniors the day was a bit more jam-packed and I was a bit more laid back and more relaxed in world indoors. So yeah, definitely felt that. Well, Yemi Mary John, one to look out for for the future, still a teenager. Been great to have all of the voices featured on this podcast. My name's Alex Seftel, your host. Hope you've enjoyed listening. <laughs> Hang on, what's this? For me? Oh, thank you, thank you. No, 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 no. This is the round of applause from the England Athletics Hall of Fame evening. For all the volunteers, athletes and everyone who makes our sport what it is which we'll use to finish off this podcast. You can find out more about all of the awards that have been won on the England Athletics website and across social media.